The following podcast is sponsored by the Hood College Bookstore. Most of us think of the bookstore as just a place to buy or rent books. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not the case. The Hood College Bookstore is a great place to buy all kinds of things. Need some Hood-branded merch? You'll find hoodies and t-shirts, hats and scarves, sweats and socks, mugs and cups. They even have Hood-branded blankets. Low on shampoo or soap? They have you covered. Bad breath before class? Buy some gum or Tic Tacs. Need a pen, highlighter, or notebook? The bookstore has tons. Does your roommate have a dog? Buy them a Hood College leash or collar. Need some Advil or Tums? The bookstore has your back. Need a last-minute birthday gift for your best friend? You'll find plenty of options. What I'm saying is, the Hood College bookstore has you covered for all your gift, school, snack, and clothing needs. Oh, and did I mention, they also have gift cards. Lots and lots of gift cards. So the next time you're in WIT, stop in and browse around. Mention my name, Tim Jacobson, and the name of this podcast, Get to Know a Blazer, and receive 10% off your purchase. Everything that is except books. But listen to the show first. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Get to Know a Blazer, an in-depth yet lighthearted interview podcast that focuses on the many interesting and wonderful people that inhabit our Hood College campus. I'm your host, Tim Jacobson. For those of you who don't know me, and I'm assuming there are many, I'm the coordinator for Hood College Broadcasting Studios and an instructor of visual media communication. Last week, I interviewed Mary Atwell, the archivist and collections development librarian for Hood College. It was indeed a pleasure speaking to her and finding out about how she landed at Hood. It was also interesting uh, to discover and find out what mirror twins are. That was very, very interesting. And if you're ever in the learning commons, head upstairs and peek your nose into Mary's office. There are some uh, incredibly wonderful items up in the archives that Mary can show you. On this week's show, I am interviewing a longtime Hood professor, been here since uh, 2008. Uh, This person has a very interesting and let's just say well-rounded and well-traveled time before coming to Hood College. Please welcome to the uh, show. J.T. Harrison. I'm Associate Professor of History. Are you, I mean, and I talked to somebody about this earlier today and we weren't sure, is, are you a doctor? Are you considered, can we call you like Dr. J? Well, I have a doctorate, so yes, you can call So we can me. call you Dr. J? You can, if you wish. I might have heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be surprised by that. How long have you been here at Hood? I've been here at Hood full-time since 2015. Uh, okay. But before that, I spent three and a half years as an adjunct between 2008 and 2012. And teaching in the history department? Teaching in the history department. Uh, more recent years, also teaching in the honors program, uh, teaching first year seminar, and teaching in the graduate program in the humanities, uh, the MA in the, in the humanities. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Out in the place, the part of Tulsa, or the part of Oklahoma, we like to say, that has grass, trees, hills, and water, as opposed to the rest of Oklahoma that has none of those things. Has none of those things. <laughs> uh, siblings? I have two older sisters. Okay. They did a good job of raising me and uh, teaching me all kinds of things that I needed to know as a, as a kid. And probably a lot of things that you didn't need to know, as uh, older sisters would. I don't know. They were pretty Did strict. they torment you? I mean, oh, of I always think did. that, you know, older yeah. sisters torment. Yeah, they, they came across to everybody else in life as pretty straight arrows. But yeah, they, they did their fair share of tormenting me. They made sure that I knew my place in the, in the hierarchy, which was at the bottom. Okay. <laughs> How much older are they? Uh, one's seven years older. The other one's three years older. Okay. And what do they do? The older one uh, works for the state of Missouri um, in their engineering division. And uh, the younger, still older, as I point out every time mm -hmm. we get together, uh, actually runs um, a, a manufacturing plant, uh, the supply chain side of a manufacturing plant outside of Chicago. Do you know where where outside of Chicago? I couldn't tell you the actual town it's in because, you know, that part of Chicago, Chicago land, is yeah. just, it's, it's a sea of towns. Uh, but I know it's between, uh, oh gosh, um, it's not far. You, is it like northwest, far. like Rolling Meadows, Downers Grove, or it's, is it more? It's more Downers Grove area. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in Rolling Meadows. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they live out in Elgin. Yep. I know exactly where Elgin's at. Yeah. Near the Fox River. Yeah, exactly. What about uh, college? Where'd you go to college? University of Missouri. Okay. Although now, I... how'd you get from Oklahoma to Missouri? Well, what was that? What the, was nice, that the nice thing about those two states is they share a border right there, and uh, you just get in a car and drive from one to the other. Not to be flippant, but <laughs> that's <laughs> no, how that's, I did it. I didn't, far, ride, I didn't so ride a far, horse. How far of a drive is it? I'm trying to figure out my geography. How far of a drive is it? So I, uh, I actually did high school in southwest Missouri in the, okay. in the city of Springfield. Um, that's technically right on the edge of the Ozarks. And we moved there uh, when I was going into high school, so I did my four years there. And uh, when the University of Missouri, a uh, pretty decent institution, said, hey, we'd like to pay for your education, I said yes. So that my, sure? My, yeah, so my parents <laughs> that year, that summer, they moved back to Oklahoma, um, and where they reside today. And I went north up to the university in the central part of the state and spent about three years there. What kind of student were you? I was a middling student. I learned how to learn. I learned mm -hmm. how to study in college because, um, you know, I was always in honors classes in high school, but frankly, it wasn't that much of a challenge. Okay. The real challenge came when I met the real courses. I ended up taking a whole lot of foreign language, you know, Spanish and Portuguese uh, mainly, uh, for my degree. And uh, I'll, I'll be the first to tell my students, and I still do to this day, language is hard for me. <laughs> And why I chose that to this I day. was just going to say. I'm still it. kind of curious. <laughs> well, the English language is hard for all of us. It is. But. It is. Well, maybe, I mean, was that something that you wanted to do to kind of test yourself and kind of, you know, get outside that comfort zone? It was. Uh, my father spent most of his career in the petroleum business, Oklahoma. You know, it makes sense. Yep. A lot of oil companies there. And when I was, um, I think I was in middle school when the state or the national oil company of Venezuela bought the oil company that he was working for. And so he ended up spending a whole lot of time in Caracas. And I thought, I've always been fascinated in these cultures. I'll either work for the State Department in Latin America, or I'll work in a, in a business like my dad's. So that was my motivation. And 
And I had had friends from Venezuela uh, that I went to high school with. Okay. And, you know, they encouraged so me. How did, so you had friends from high school in Venezuela. Was there, I mean, were they exchange students? No, they actually, uh, their mother was from Missouri. Okay. Um, but their stepfather was Venezuela. Oh, okay. And so they spent the majority of their childhood until they divorced down in, down in Venezuela. Actually, in the, in the southern part of Venezuela, right before it drops into the Amazon basin. Uh, so way out in the country. So they had beautiful Venezuelan accents, and they taught me a lot of tricks with Venezuelan Spanish, and it just kind of stuck. That's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I wanted to be a doctor. So I was. You wanted to be a doctor? I was initially a biology major. Oh, really? I was just going to ask, what was your yeah. what was your major? And chemistry and I didn't get along, so I became a Latin mm-hmm. American studies major and a policy major and a language major. So. Were those? I mean, how did how did? So you you went from wanting to be a doctor, chemistry biology, all that, and then to more foreign language. Mm-hmm. What were, like, what were you doing when you weren't, like, studying? You know, were you clubs? Were you going out? Were you, you know? I spent a lot of time in the outdoors. I was okay. an Eagle Scout. I probably spent 150 nights in high school under the stars. Good um, for you. Yeah, it was just what I loved. And so I would climb. I was a trail runner. I grew up riding horses through the woods. Um Always other people's horses. I never owned a horse myself. <laughs> My parents were in the city. <laughs> there was no place for that. Uh, but yeah, outside all the time, on the water, doing all kinds of stuff. We 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 share that. Yeah. Yeah. I just got back over winter break. I spent five days in Tucson. Okay. Hiking around Sahuaro. Oh, nice. And I did uh, I did thirty thirty two and a half miles in four days. Cool. Very cool. So. Yeah. yeah, anytime I can get out and, you know, we do a lot of kayaking in the summertime, yeah. you know, a lot of bike riding, um, yep. you know. Uh, yeah, we do too. Get up to uh, Dolly Sods every once in a while. Mm-hmm. There's yep. some stuff up there. Yep. After after college, so you graduated with your degree in foreign language? Yes, yeah, it was a multidisciplinary uh, international studies degree, so okay. you had to pick different chunks. So I had, yeah, I had language, I had policy studies. I had a partial degree in business from the business school there. So after that, I needed a job. Yep. And I'd met somebody, and she was in another state, a nice state, Colorado. It's a good state. I did a did a semester on student exchange uh, my sophomore year uh, inside the country. Some poor soul left Colorado and went to Missouri. And I lucked out. I left Missouri and spent a semester in Colorado at Colorado State University. So I ended up going back there a couple of years later after I finished my degree. And I got into the car rental business, of all things. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a logical step to take. It paid the bills. Um, it, that's the logical step, yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, you do what you can. And so after doing that for the better part of a year, I got my first uh, what you might call permanent job down in Arizona, actually, speaking of, mm-hmm. of Arizona, um, out in uh, North Lindale, Arizona, just out on the outside of uh, yeah, outside Phoenix, of Phoenix yeah. yeah, northwest side of Phoenix. Um they were putting in a new medical school. It was an extension of the medical school in Chicago. And so I ran their bookstore for a couple of years. Really? Yeah. That's kind of, that's a completely different. It was a fascinating turn. Um, and I love medicine and, and uh, okay. you know, still wanted to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Gave, gave chemistry another try. Didn't work again. Didn't know. Same thing. But it was a new medical book school bookstore and they needed a stocked, fully uh, vetted reference section. So I read medicine for two years, throwing reference books up into the bookstore and just having a really good time. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a, 
odd way to say fun time. I would just, that, that would not be my thing. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, God. But, I mean, that's why you're you, you know, and you do yeah. that. Um, all right, so between then and Hood. There's a lot. There's a whole bunch of stuff from, I people have been telling me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, you know, interview uh, Jay Harrison, like, oh, make sure he tells you about this. Oh, make sure he tells you about that. I'm like, all right. So I know you did some stuff in Silicon Valley, and yeah. I know you worked for the government uh, as a contractor. Yeah, as a contractor. Yeah, okay. yeah. What kind of what kind of stuff? This was all around information technology, software, hardware, um, maintenance, support, um, and then uh, technology policy, security policy, and things like that. Um, so yeah, in the in the late '90s, I got caught up in the with a startup that was part of the internet boom. Um, that was in Colorado. We had clients in Silicon Valley, and so I spent a lot of time between there and um, up where Microsoft's based, out in the Seattle area. Right. Um, I got picked up by a major um, manufacturing enterprise software company, a big multinational company, huge clients. All this granted, no degree in software engineering. Uh, ended up working on a bunch of uh, design projects for, for major algorithm-based wow. software. Um, did that for a few years and decided that I was done. It was not the business I wanted to be in. Stressful, I would stressful. imagine, and cutthroat. Cutthroat. Um, and, um, you know, the, <laughs> the trick of it was apparently I was pretty good at it because I kept getting hired by new people. <laughs> it just kept going on. And darned if I didn't say, you know, I'm going to go to grad school. I always wanted to be an historian. So how old were you when you went to grad school? Oh, gosh, I was in my late 20s. Okay. And, um, you know, so I started graduate school and uh, got in for about a year, year and a half. And I happened to walk into the wrong room, maybe the right room at the right time. Yeah. I don't know. I got hired by another software company in the okay. middle of doing a history master's degree. <laughs> and that one worked for the government. And that's how I got into full-time government contracting. No, in all seriousness, we uh, we adopted babies in those years, and I was doing grad school, and D.C. is an expensive place, and so um, I just went f back full-time in software while I worked on my doctorate. And, uh, you know, we were... Well, yeah, and again, you got to make money. You got kids. Got to make money if you're going to, yeah. yeah. So, um, all right, so let's get into that. <laughs> you you have how many kids? I have two kids. Two kids, and they're, are they're, they're adopted? They are. My, my two boys, um, yeah. they're, they're Marylanders, okay. uh, which is one of the reasons well, we Well, thanks for we, adopting we some Marylanders. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, they have good taste. I mean, they, they like crab. They, <laughs> the full thing. They've taught me a lot, actually. How old are they? Uh, 12 and 14. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I didn't grow up. I've been, I've been here in Maryland since 1989. Uh -huh. um, I love Maryland. I think Maryland's one of the best states. I don't, I'm not the crab. You're not the crab guy. No, I don't want to work for my food. I love a good crab cake. Yes. I love a good crab dip. Yeah. I love everything about it except for yeah. whacking them apart. My favorite way to eat crab oh. is to get a cream of crab soup. That's Yeah, perfect. I'll do crab soup. I'll yeah. do all that. Yeah. I like obey my eggs, you know. Oh, that's um, Maryland. That's very That's Maryland. close enough. But, yeah. yeah, I'm not. And nowadays, <laughs> you know, half a bushel of crabs will cost you 75, 80 bucks. Oh, goodness, yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, we go down to the shore, and you yeah. know, we we go down to uh, uh, Chincoteague every oh, year. Nice. Yeah, it's the first time I stepped foot in the ocean. I was twenty three years old. Oh wow! I was down down there. Okay. I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, so you well, know, yeah, Lake that, Michigan was my ocean. That'll do it. Yeah. But uh, and then we haven't uh, we haven't missed uh, a summer yet. 
yeah once you once you start you keep going it's yeah yeah it's beautiful i mean you, you know i get up in the morning at six o'clock i go and you know kayak for about two three hours come back yep. breakfast go to the beach bike ride mm-hmm. that's the life. so your kids are your kids are 12 and 14 yep is your wife working is she or is she she's a she is a therapist okay um, yeah, we uh, we split up a couple of years ago, but she's still here in town. In fact, she's uh, a trauma therapist. Oh, um, she's a she's actually a, uh, an adjunct here in our counseling program. Okay. Yeah, um, teaches classes on trauma counseling and practice management, things like that. But now she's a she's always been a go getter. Um, she uh, is is quite a an entrepreneur as well. So when did you when did you move to did you move to Frederick? For I'm sure you didn't move not, for the an adjunct job at Hood College not, to, not to, come to, to, Hood. to Maryland. To be perfectly honest, how did you honest, get to how did you get to Maryland? To be perfectly honest, I didn't even know Hood was here. <laughs> that, you're not, here. A, yeah, yeah, it's regionally known, not 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 always yes. uh, known. So how did you get to Frederick from out in Colorado? In, I came out here uh, because I got tired of landing at Dulles and BWI for meetings on Fridays at the corporate headquarters. I can see that. Yeah, I worked out of an office in South Denver for a bunch of years, and the job took me everywhere. I I had a couple of years um, with this with the uh, the supply chain company where I would have over two hundred fifty thousand flight miles in a given year. Ooh. So I was always on the move, but I was always ending up here at the end of the week. So mm-hmm. just to minimize travel, I took a took an offer to come out and and take over a program out here at headquarters. Um, so we got a place in Mount Airy. I got my horses, somebody else's horses, but I got my horses on my property. So you got and, uh, you're at a farm. Uh, we had, or, we were, or at we, least a, you know, we, we had a small, a small acreage uh, okay. for a couple of years in Mount Airy. Uh, and then when I went to grad school, we actually moved into Frederick. Where'd you go to grad school out here? Uh, Catholic University. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. So I was down in Northeast for the better part of nine years, at least commuting from up here. It's, well, you know, it's not a horrible commute from, you know. It's not. We have a train. Yeah. I can't tell you how many books I read on a train. <laughs> that is one of the perks about yeah. jumping on a train. A history of grad school means you read four or five books a week, and plus a bunch of other stuff. So those hours on the train were lovely. I would imagine. Yeah. So you moved here. You did that. Um, what was that kind of transition to to coming to Hood? How did that all come about? Well, I, I came to Hood. Uh, Dr. Lakowski, Leonard Lakowski, some of our or thousands of our alums will remember Dr. L., unfortunately passed in 2015 when I came back to work here full-time. I kept bugging him when he was the department chair to let me teach part-time because I was getting tired of of the commute down to Catholic and the commute down to George Washington University where I taught for a time as an adjunct. Uh, all my money was going into commuting. And so and instead, you know, I asked him, Lynn, let me have a seven-minute commute. And finally he relented and let, let me teach a European history class. So that was so you started you started as an adjunct in 2008 in 2008 and then yeah. you became assistant in 2015 2015 we lived in Colorado for 3 years yeah. uh, between 2012 and 2015 I finished my doctorate in 2012 and immediately jumped on a plane and interviewed for a dream job in Colorado running a combined research center that had its own museum historical archive a research library Wow, and I added a, a, a doctoral fellowship program while I was there. It was just so much fun. Yeah, 
and uh, the Center of Southwest Studies at Fort Lewis College, little state college in the southwestern corner down by the Four Corners area, um, and just had a great time running that for okay. three, three or so years. And then what? Job opened back here, and I oh. got in touch with Dr. Amp, the chair, and uh, my good friend, and said, hey, tell me about this job. Yeah. Because <laughs> I knew my boys needed to come back and grow up here in Maryland. So... So we're back. We've been back now since then. For you, what's the best part of being a, a college professor? My like students. What motivates you? My students. As I tell them, you know, this you, you you're you're just right. You know, in this in this environment together, and if you do it right, you know, four years or two years, whether you transfer in after two somewhere else, you're going to have a very focused experience studying with us as your professors and yeah and it's why i show up every day it's it's why i read history it's why i continue to do my research is because i'm here for the teaching and the mentoring and just you know yeah. getting to know people as they as they're taking that transition from you know from being high school students to being adults and that's just a pleasure of my life same here yeah i never would have you know if you would ask me if i was 23 24 years old that you know i'd someday be a college professor and having a blast doing it yeah. because for the same reasons I get to inspire my kids and sure. you know teach them about the stuff that I know but also you know teach them the skills that they're gonna use yeah. to be successful yeah you know and I call them my kids I've been I call them my kids for a long time <laughs> you know I have my two kids yep. and then I have all my college kids there you go I think that's probably very similar yeah. for me what's your favorite period of history like, what do you get into? Seventeenth uh, through nineteenth centuries, um, in the borderlands between the Spanish Empire and the growing British and English, British, French empires in the Americas. Um, I like the in between. I, mm -hmm. I, I like examining the lives and the and the conflicts and the co collaborations and the, the strange bedfellows that frontiers uh, between American empires uh, uh, bring. In grad school, I studied pretty much just the European and the African perspective on that, um, as far as colonizers and, and forced colonizers. When we think about people who were enslaved and brought to the Americas and, and forced to work in that environment. But then, and this comes from growing up in Oklahoma, in Indian country, I was encouraged to start thinking more about the indigenous aspect of that experience. And so what I mostly write about and what I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by is how Spanish Catholic priests and indigenous native peoples in the Americas found ways to recreate a new society together inside of missions and little towns, agricultural states that would, that would keep themselves going and yeah. basically be places of safety for some of the indigenous peoples when the Comanches were expanding their, or the Apaches were, were raiding and stuff like that. Um, so it's a complicated history, and to do that, I had to do basically two separate degrees uh, for the doctorate traditional U.S. colonial one, and then a full-fledged colonial Latin American one and oh. put them together, which is why I was there for a while. You know, oftentimes that history is studied from one side or the other. And so half of half the history is neglected. Um, that of, like a lot of history, yeah. A lot, yeah, that's, that's very true. So I'm very much a revisionist historian of that early American uh, history out there and what we think of as the Southwest and Northern Mexico. That lights my fire. I like That's that pretty place. cool. Yeah. Now, is that like if you... If you could go back and be a witness to 
a period in history? Would you want to go there? Or would you like, you know, go, would you go like way back to like Rome? Would you go, you know, colonial or? I've always liked that type of question because it assumes one thing. Yeah. You're going to make it through the first day of life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here, not what? (laughs) Either because of disease or somebody just didn't like the way you looked at him. They killed you. (laughs) So So um, if you could go back and die of a, you know, horrible, you know, disease. What would I want to die of? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where would you? I certainly would not go during the period of the Black Death. That's for sure. That That was an awful way to die. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably go back. I'd I'd love to witness some of the conversations uh, that people had on, um, you know, Brazilian Janus or the the agricultural estates. Just some fascinating stuff that exists in the record about those people's lives. I just want to see it with my own eyes. Um, I've read about this. Now I want to, you know, is it all true? uh, And I'd like to see, I would love to go back and see a working 18th century mission one of the ones I write about. Um, I write about Texas. I've got a book coming out about that. Just finished a book with a bunch of authors. Um, it's an edited volume of essays that edited with two good friends of mine. That's what I gave the book talk back this fall on the Franciscans as missionary influencers in Mexico over 300 years. I'd like to go witness some of those sites, just watch what happened. You know, How did yeah. they actually act towards the native peoples? How did the native people actually look at them? I have no idea how they have looked at these people, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah, nobody does, no, I guess, you know. That's it's, not the record. Know, yeah, it's, it's, there's We can kind there. of read against the grain and try to tease some of it out, but it's really hard, so. Yeah, there's a, there's a mission just south of Tucson when I went down, and I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, San Javier del Bac. Yeah, and it's, you know. I gave a tour of it. Big white, you know. Big I went tour. there, and I'm like, yeah. and it was under construction. It was all scaffolded, and I'm uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm like, they, I want to take photos. <laughs> yeah, they were restoring that. Um, they do that every every 80, 90 years. Yeah, you can see it from like, you know, 10 miles away. It's this just big white, yeah. you know. That was a Jesuit mission thing. initially. Yeah, well, yeah. And then the Jesuits got booted out in 1767 and the Franciscans got Franciscan, sent up there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's built like a Jesuit mission, but it feels like a Franciscan mission. It's, it's got a really strange soul. That, yeah, that it's. A, I mean, it's a cool place when you drive up to it, but it would have been better without all the scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. It's got an amazing altarpiece up there in the front of that church. It's just. Uh, it's. It's that. That's the Jesuit, the Baroque part. The Jesuit, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's quite a place. I was out. We. Um, I'm part of a yearly seminar that we started some years back. Uh, that brings scholars in to workshop their papers. We read their papers ahead, and then they each get an hour where we just you know, beat on these papers and try to shake out the bad stuff and get the good stuff. And afterwards, we're always just dead tired, but we still want to hang out with each other as a group because it's a, you know, tight community. Uh, So we were in Tucson a few years ago uh, when they sprung the idea on on me after we all done for the day, let's go to the mission and Jay can give the tour because he knows the stuff. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> appreciate appreciate that. I got 15 minutes to remind myself. When was oh it built? God. Who built it? <laughs> That's in the car on the way down. <laughs> That's right. That's somebody else drives. Tell drive, me something so about I can the architecture. <laughs> oh my God. Jeez. Yeah. Um. So when you're when you're not here, like, what do you do in your kind of leisure time? I know you, you know you get out and you hike and you know. Yeah. Around this area, what's your favorite place to go and get out when you're like in Maryland, Frederick? Are okay. you watershed, sugarloaf? 
Maryland Heights. I'm more uh, more down there at Harper's Ferry and other historic sites. Yeah, I lived for a bit in Harper's Ferry. I uh, really enjoyed that. Um, I like to get out on the trails some, yeah, as well. Uh, usually just the Catoctin watershed. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. Um, and then we have, you know, we've got a canoe over on Lake Linganore, so okay. crack Good that thing you. open from time to time and get it out there with my boys, so. Have you ever done, have you guys ever gone down to uh, like Blackwater National no. Wildlife Refuge? Oh, no. you got to go down in either, <laughs> either the spring or fall during the migration yeah. to go down and, and put a canoe or a kayak in. Um, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, last time I was there, I think I saw at least eight or nine eagle and a whole bunch of osprey. Oh, wow. And they have trails. They actually have like, instead of like a hiking trail, yeah. you can get a map. Okay. And you can see, you know, yeah, it'll tell you distances and all that and everything. Okay. And the, um, the Harriet Tubman Museum is right there at one of the put-ins. That's right. It so is. you know that's kind of cool too. That is cool. Yeah, the whole area was used for the railroad. Yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I always, I always have people. I, I do a lot of hiking up in the watershed, uh, and people are like, "What's your favorite place to go?" I'm like. I ain't telling you. <laughs> I like it because nobody knows. There's nobody there. Nobody knows. There'll be an occasional uh, person coming by, but I don't, I don't want to tell people. I, I, I know that's like selfish of me, but I'm like, I know the places I like to go, and I'm not telling you. <laughs> you know, back in high school, I had a favorite place to climb. There was an old quarry uh, on the state, piece of state land, and there's conservation lands across Missouri. Oh, and, I would, yeah. Yeah, it's just rich, rich area for that. And you and you just park at a, you know, side of the road and just wander back. Yeah. Same thing. I will tell people because I'm not there anymore. Busick is was the name of this little state park. And it had, you know, 10, 15 miles of trails that I could run or bike. And yeah. uh, and then a quarry we could climb in. It was a it was a just an absolute dream. Is it um what kind of what kind of rock is it out there? That's a good question. Is it quartz? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be quartz. It might be granite or something. Yeah, there's some quartz for the south of there, but it's um, there's some hard rock and also some sandstone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the quarry, I think, was mostly sandstone. It was a dicey place to climb. You always had to be roped in from above because I would think. Oh yeah, you have some really bad falls yeah. if you're just trying to go up from below. Yeah, trying to you know. Yeah. Do a sport climb or something. Yeah. Yeah, not recommended. Early climbing. Yeah. You ever gun? Uh, what's the um. Oh geez, it's just south of Dolly Sods, um, Seneca Rock. Yeah, did you Seneca ever climb Rock. there? Uh, I haven't. I stopped climbing years ago. So my body turned on me in that yeah. regard. Here, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Andy Nichols, and I don't know if you know Andy. I don't. Uh, Andy's an adjunct here, um, but he runs a, a a business called Shenandoah Mountain Guides. Okay. So if you want to do a, a three day whitewater kayaking, or you want to yep. get a bunch of coworkers together to you know to hike or whatever. Yeah. But he's a big rock climber, and uh, we used to we went down there a couple times up to Annapolis Rocks and a couple yeah. other places. But yeah, no, my my hands my hands can't take it anymore. Yeah, I got a bad shoulder. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. But we do what we can do. Yeah. What about so? Um, I mean, you get out. What's the what? If you could get out and say, you know, I'm taking I'm taking the kids, and we're gonna go and spend a week here you know somewhere you know where are you going uh purgatory resort durango colorado we're gonna ski the front side and the back side of the mountain like fiends and 
So you're still you're still snow skiing. Oh, still snow skiing. Oh man, yeah. good for you. Still having knees. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, yeah, that those still work. I feel them these days, but yeah. they they work. Yeah, and you know, there's there's an art to uh, to skiing. If you stay off the bumps, you're going to keep your knees through adulthood. That's true. Yeah. So I I cruise. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, I do the blues and blacks. And yeah. Try try to scare myself a good five or six times each day ago. Yeah, that, well, that keeps you young, right? <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, I used to ski. I was a I was a gymnast in high school. Okay. So I abused my knees. Yeah. Yeah, you know, abused my knees, abused my shoulders, abused my hands, and yeah, you know, and then you hit forty five, fifty, and you're like, hey. Yeah, you got to pay for those. Stop things. doing that. I worked a lot of horses in my day. Well, uh, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, no, I worked on a ranch for off and on over the years in Oklahoma. Um, just for fun and during the summers and our specialty was taking horses that didn't like being with their humans and helping them become better riding horses which meant that doesn't sound like fun at all and I was the wiry little guy who couldn't get thrown so anytime we got a new horse my first job was to go on the round pen and see what the horse would do so my hands feel that my shoulder feels that I can imagine yeah oh I I can't imagine but I I think if it's anything (laughs) like my shoulder pain I, I get it yeah, I think it's been torn since I was 17, to oh, be honest. Oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, that was a lot of fun. Always fun. I love that. Um, and your kids go to school where? I've got one in town here at TJ. Okay. High, and uh, one over at Oakdale Middle. Okay. Yep. So Mine both went to uh, Frederick High School. Yeah, nice. Yeah. The old one or the new one? The My daughter, my, my daughter's my youngest, so she graduated... She was in the last graduating class for the old Frederick High School. Gotcha. So, yeah. so she just she graduated last year from uh, Muhlenberg College. Okay. Up in Very up cool. in Allentown. I've got two of my two of my history students, two of my advisees are teaching at Frederick High right now for their student teaching. Oh, good. Yeah. And enjoy. What's your What's your favorite history class to teach? Like, what's your What's your go to? You know, you're like that just gets you excited. Not just you, but this is important to my students, and I wanted them to know this. I'm going to answer it with two, if you're okay, okay with that. Yep. For, for non-majors, the non-majors, the History 265, which is world history from 1200 to 1800. Okay. So right in my wheelhouse as a global historian. Yep. And, you know, colonies, empire, slavery, the Atlantic trade, all that stuff. Yeah. Um Colonization, yeah. Yeah, colonization and then... Nation building, yeah. Independence and all that right at the end of that period. And why I like that is not so much what it does for me, but the connections I'm able to make for students that they've never considered. And um, and just the, the ideas that are lit, the inspiration to not just become a history major, but to maybe do a global studies major or to pursue a language you know because mm-hmm. there's more to, than just learning the language it's learning the culture um i see those 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 lights go on and, and they go that's off. a great moment they go off and do when, great they, when they just get yeah. it for the majors uh our seminar absolutely love okay. our seminar our capstone seminar i teach one on the history of fanaticism in the world oh. it's a global history students can write about fanaticism or its other forms uh of human expression and history um, and I get some of the most fascinating papers. Some are rather dismal because, you know, fanaticism can lead to some awful things. Usually does. Usually does, yeah. <laughs> Got recent experience in the early 21st century with that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But all across the board, every single one of our of our uh, junior and senior students who take that walk away with, I think, with um, 
just feeling like they really invested themselves in understanding yeah. humans and their and their history. So yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of just frank and honest discussions too in those classes. There are because you have to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, we read about the Inquisition, the Holocaust. We read about you know genocide. We read about all kinds yeah. of things. We read about sports fanaticism. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean yeah, I mean you have political, social, you know, religious, uh-huh. you know, sports. Yeah, they're all. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. We read a book uh, that, fo- that follows the people who drive their campers around every year, following the Crimson Tide football team, the University. Oh, of I thought you were going to say NASCAR. No, <laughs> you could write it about them too. Very similar book, um, but now it's a dated book now. But uh, Rammer Jammer Yellowhammer, oh my um, God, is the name of the book, and we read that thing, and it's some of the stuff in it is just some of the most eye-opening stuff you could read about American society. Yeah. Yeah. Forget I feel it, like college has its share of sports fanatics more than like professional <laughs> sports. It does. You know, it does. One of the best papers I got out of that class was written by um, one of our baseball players who graduated a couple of years ago. And his topic was soccer hooligans in Scotland. There's a few of them. It was a fascinating paper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was just, you know, the, the, the football fans over there are. Um, well, let's just say they provide a lot to write about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it goes to, you know, sectarian religious divides within Scotland, and different types of neighborhoods, class issues. Oh, yeah. It's uh, almost yeah. street by street. They're I, gangs. I, I mean, they're <laughs> gangs who follow football. Football. <laughs> and then battle yeah. it out in the days in between the matches. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter, the semester that the pandemic started, she was over in Stockholm, Sweden. Ah, and I went to visit so, her, and I said, a "Beautiful place, oh, gorgeous." Woke up there one night, confused where I was. <laughs> That's a good place to wake up confused. <laughs> I had to call the front desk. Like, Is that Stockholm? <laughs> um, and my son, we're a big soccer family. My uh-huh. son, you know, played from seven years old all the way through college, okay. and he coaches uh, with the women's team here now. Oh, cool. But I told Kate, I said, "We, I got to get him some soccer gear. You know, I got to get him a, a jersey or something." Yeah. So we looked something up and we went to the mall and we got the, you know, the team jersey and everything. And then we went out to eat later that night on like a different part of town. And the waitress and the bartender kept looking at my bag. Ah. And I'm like, why the hell? And the guy finally came over and he's he's like, you should hide that bag. I'm like, what's wrong with this bag? He goes, you're in the wrong part of town. Oh boy. I'm like, what do you mean? And he sat down and literally we had a talk for like a half hour about these two, you know, it's like Frederick High School and TJ. Uh-huh. But, you know, this but, is the two local clubs. Yeah. You know, and one is like the working class and one is the, you know. The elites. The, yes. the, the white collar, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, got the wrong one. <laughs> it, as far as he was for, concerned. For, for, for being there, yeah. And I told him, I'm like, so where do I get enough? I'm like, I want both. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's the next day, you know, go over cool. there. But it was just, yeah. Hmm. In Stockholm. In Stockholm. Huh. Yeah, great. T- oh, my God. I yeah. mean, I want to go back. You know, um, Katie had a blast there, even though it was cut short. I'd love to go back. I I went there for one meeting, and then I got back on the train and went back to the airport and flew yeah, away. Yeah, it's, it's just literally yeah. like little islands. It is. It is, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I went there in winter. It was beautiful in winter. That's right. Yeah, I was. Uh, um, well, I came back. The Thursday I came back was when um, 
they started shutting down international travel because of the yeah. pandemic. And then yeah. they sent Katie and everybody home on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to think a... of when I was there. I was there in 1999 last. Okay, so that was a while ago. Yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. A couple of years. Well, Jay, I appreciate you coming in. <laughs> Thanks for talking. This yeah, is great. I mean, um, and this is, you know, the whole point of yeah. doing this. But um, one last task. You have to recommend my next interview subject. All right. That's what I always... So Mary in, uh, suggested you. So uh -huh. you got to suggest right. somebody for me to do. All right. On the, on, on, on yep. the recording? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. Well, you know. Have you interviewed uh, Terry Scott? No. All right. That's Terry Scott. Dr. I'm gonna... Dr. Terry Scott, chair Dr. of the history department. All right. Dr. Terry. And uh, historian of sport and lynching. She's... Those are two completely unrelated. They seem unrelated, except there's one thing that connects them, and she can tell you what that connection is. Well, now I have on. to do it. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. That yeah. was This was great. Good to talk. Well, that is the show for this week. Thank you again to Dr. J for coming in today for a chat. I'm glad you finally landed that plane in Frederick after all those years of jetting around the country. I will be contacting Terry Scott very soon. Uh, so be on the lookout for an email from me, Terry. And I would very much like to invite Jay on a hike to one of those secret or semi-secret uh, hiking trails that I mentioned to him up in the Frederick Watershed. Um, something that uh, we can do that's light on the knees, so to speak. Thank you all for tuning in. Until the next episode of Get to Know a Blazer, I'm your host, Tim Jacobson. As always, be kind to each other. And most importantly, be kind to yourself. Lead-in and lead-out music for our show, titled Grandpa, is written and played by none other than John Medallis. Get to Know a Blazer is a production of Hood College Broadcasting Studios.